0: Something is stirring. Maybe you've felt it. We are reckoning with the reality of injustice and binary thinking that feeds the political machine. Humanity is in the midst of a heartbreaking and painful paradigm shift. That is a good thing. My name is Lola Wright, and this is Find Your Fierce and Loving. This podcast is intended to help you disrupt, untangle, and free your mind of personal and collective agreements, patterns, and beliefs that are holding you back and weighing you down. We desperately need your fierce and loving purpose now more than ever. I am so excited to have this brilliant being on the podcast today. Anita Kopach is the author of the Simon and Schuster fiction novel Shallow Waters. It is the second title that Charlemagne the God will release on his imprint, Black Privilege Publishing, and has been released today, August 3rd, 2021. Anita is the former editor-in-chief of Heart and Soul magazine and managing editor of Beauty Sense magazine. She is an award-winning writer, a spiritual psychologist, and a certified tantra coach with a passion to see people thrive. Anita created the Zero Fs Given campaign to raise awareness and help victimized and disenfranchised populations heal from sexual trauma, find their voice, and reclaim their power. She has helped thousands of victims through her work with Zero Fs Given and being on the board for the Center for Safety and Change. Through leading retreats around the world, working with private clients and storytelling, Anita fulfills her intention to awaken the divine simplicity, pleasure, and joy in her life and in others. So, welcome, Anita, to find your fierce and loving. It is important for people to understand that we have never actually met in the flesh. We have like a many years long relationship now via Instagram DMs. That is absolutely true and amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like, wow. It's such an honor for me to be here and to just see your smiling face in front of me. Um, And I can't
0: wait to actually finally meet in person one day. I'm sure it will happen. (laughs) So I think I first came across you through Michael Beckwith. I think that's how... I think he may have, like, shared something of yours. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, who is that? And um, so I'm curious, how do you and Michael know each other?
1: Yes. So I met michael when i started going to agape a long time ago so this was when my daughter was my first daughter was born so 17 years ago one of my friends were she was just like i want you to come with me to church and i'm like no nah, i don't want to go to church am <laughs> like i'm sorry i don't really do church anymore and she was like no no i don't want you to come with me and i was like all right fine Oh my gosh, I was a hot mess, like Mm. on the floor, bawling. I'm like, what is this place? This is amazing. Mm -hmm. And um, I went went for years. Like I was actually too scared to introduce myself to uh, Michael. I was so like in awe and like just the way he channeled and every Mm. like I was just like, oh my gosh super intimidated to introduce myself Mm. and I finally did years and years later and i had given him one of my books and uh, this it wasn't the book that's coming out now it's the first book that I that I wrote and it was called Finding Your Way he ended up like using it uh, in some of his sermons and it was just we became close friends and it just Mm. was I was like, oh, I'm glad I got my nerve up to finally
0: introduce myself. That's so sweet. I think one of the things I appreciate about you so much, especially on Instagram, I think it's really what drew me to you is you're pretty irreverent. And I very deeply resonate with that. And I think it's like part of it is sort of this – You know, in the health and wellness space or in the spiritual space, there are all these personas that sort of say, oh, this is acceptable and this is not acceptable. And someone like you, and I think it's true for me, too, we sort of bust that up and invite people to go beyond sort of their simplistic understanding of what it means to be spiritual or what it means to be powerful or what it means to be in a health and wellness space. And and that doesn't mean just rolling over and accepting uh, things that don't work. Exactly. Exactly. I have chills because that's exactly right. (laughs) And don't you think we're in a time where like, people are more and more hungry for that. Even you know, you started out by saying I don't want church. And then you were exposed to agape and it was like, oh, this is something different. So there's a way that things have been that don't work, maybe never worked, but there you know, are those of us who are like I'm definitely not here for that. Right? And so what does that look like for you today? What does that look like as a spiritual psychologist, as someone who I imagine encounter spiritual bypass a fair amount. How do you navigate that? Uh, I do
1: encounter spiritual
0: bypassing a lot. But for me,
1: sometimes within with my clients, if I have time, I don't like to just call it out like, oh, you're fucking spiritually Bypassing right now. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if I can say that word on here.
0: You can totally say that word. And from your perspective, would you just, for those of us, you know, our listeners who may not know what that terminology means, how would you define spiritual bypass?
1: So, spiritual bypassing is basically not dealing with something that might be um, either a traumatic experience for you and just going into, oh, it's all love and light. Everything is okay. Can we all be one? Mm-hmm. Can, you know, let's not talk about racism. Can it can mm-hmm. we just all be one? Right. Like mm-hmm. s- things like that, like s- kind of um, staying in um, fake positivity.
0: Yes. Yes. Which is really toxic and really not of service to evolution, growth, transformation. It's in fact sort of the exact opposite of that. Yes, yes. And I would say,
1: in the beginning of the kind of spiritual wave that happened, there was a lot of of spiritual bypassing at first, but it feels to me that people are kind of waking up to that as well. Now, Or I'm hoping.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I actually think I mean, this is, you know, I feel like uh, a lot of black influencers and leaders are really the ones that are leading that, which is not to say that there aren't white influencers and leaders and whatever. But I think that the the racism that can be so imbued in spiritual bypass, there's like, no. And it sort of leads me to this topic of your book. Like, you know, a lot of what we understand in t- the Western world um, in terms of sort of uh, ancient wisdom and spirituality sort of beyond religious contexts comes from uh, African spirituality, which is not given a whole lot of props in mainstream media, and people do not understand its origins. And I think it's really, really important. And in your book, Shallow Waters, which I'd love for you to tell us about, you are making reference to the Yoruba tradition of spirituality. Tell me about that. I I was introduced to Yoruba through Afro-Cuban culture. I dated an Afro-Cuban man who practiced Yoruba and his aunt, and I'll probably put this in the show notes, I'll send it to you. Um, this beautiful song that she uh his his father wrote it, Chucho Valdez wrote it, and it's called Yemaya, And um Mayra Caridal-Baldez sings this song. And Yemaya is a prominent character in your book, right? Yes, she's the main character. Yeah, so tell us, tell us, how how did you get to that? Oh, oh I
1: mean, how did she get to me, I feel like, is the question. Because she was like, and not even <laughs> knocking on the door, like breaking down the door, sitting on my bed, saying, you're going to write this story. You're going to mm. write this story. You're going to write this story. I don't care what you're doing with the rest of your life. This is coming through. I'm like, okay. She is, like you said, um, an Orisha from the Yoruba Ifa tradition. Um, And through the African diaspora, she has traveled to, um, or people believe in her, in Cuba, in Brazil, in, you know, different versions of her in Haiti and parts of the Caribbean. So, and, and in the US and now all over in Europe, all different places, but she is a black mermaid mm. and she is considered to be the mother of us all. She is the mother Orisha. Um, my friend, a long time ago, I had, I, I've always felt a connection to Yemeya, and my friend was a priest of Oshun, which is another Orisha in uh-huh. the tradition. And he told me that Yemeya was said to um, protect us um, as we went over the Middle Passage, our ancestors. Mm. And I was like, what? And also protect the souls that decided to jump overboard. And so Mm. I was like, there was a black mermaid that was with us. Like my whole body was just like, what powerful shit is that? And what does Mm. that mean for us today? And what does it mean? You know, like it just was there were just so many things that were coming up. And so what I wanted to do was write a story about before Yemaya knew she was a goddess. So like Mm. a coming of age story. So it takes place in the early 1800s and starts on the west coast of Africa. She's a black mermaid. She falls in love with the fisherman, you know, the mermaid story, but it changes because this fisherman is taken on the slave ships to America, to Mm. the new world. She has to have her own middle passage underwater. And when she gets there, she has to cocoon herself for 40 days and 40 nights to become human. Mm. So basically the whole book is about her trying to find her love in a place that makes her a slave because of her color. Right. Mm. And so it's, she has to navigate all of these different things. She meets historical figures throughout it. And, um, it was a healing piece for me. It was Mm. a healing piece for me because, um, I know a lot of people now are doing ancestral healing, um, looking for ancestral wounds. What are some ancestral gifts? And this book is all of that personified for me. Because when I was writing about the Middle Passage, I felt it. I felt what my ancestors went through. Like, it was emotional. Mm -hmm. And, like, it just, the whole thing was so deep. It was like my blood, sweat, and tears coming out to... I don't even want to just say right. It feels like to record <laughs> the, the stories.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I'm appreciating. I mean, I think for me, the thread already in this conversation is range, like the range of the origins of that spirituality that you make reference to, the range of your own work in the world as being... Um, I mean, I make up in service of this idea of oneness, but that doesn't mean we deny what has happened and giving yourself full permission to just feel the heartbreak, the terror, the the inspiration, like all, I hear all of that in what you're saying. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And it's interesting when you say
1: the oneness, because that's that's like one of the things with the spiritual bypassing, right? It's yes. like- oh, yeah, I believe we're all one. But before you even get there, how do you feel about Black people? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like we have to do some work before we can really feel what that oneness is. Yes. We probably felt it's not something that we haven't felt because most children just feel it naturally. Mm -hmm. It's just there.
0: So it's kind of returning to that place. So what was it like to do this in the the past year of a pandemic? I mean, writing a book under any circumstance is a labor of love. And from what I can tell in my own experience, it is guttural. It is a guttural experience. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it
1: is a guttural experience. And this book actually has been in the process for about seven years. One of those years was absolutely nothing happening. I would open the computer and I'd feel nauseous and I would just close it. Nothing. Literally nothing. And um it so to to write the book, it only took about four months for it to come out. And then um all of the rest of the time has been, you know, honing it, editing it getting it to exactly how
0: I want it to be, right? It has been a
1: process.
0: I think that's important to point out because in a world that appears to produce things so quickly, I think we can, I'll just speak for myself, grow impatient when things don't come to form as swiftly as we think they should. But it's like seven years a long time. Yeah. Divine timing.
1: Yemiya had her timing with Mm -hmm. this. You know, she had her timing. It was, I, you know, I start, I started writing it before all of this racial, well, not before. (laughs) It's been happening this whole time. But before it was like right in the forefront of everybody. So during the pandemic, I was that's when I did get the deal. So the book was already finished Mm -hmm. by then. So I guess that's still considered, I would say so maybe the actual process of writing was five years, but one Mm -hmm. year I couldn't, I couldn't open it. And the other year, it was already, you know, in the process of being uh, finished and put out there.
0: One of the things that I watch human beings struggle with so much is this very literal interpretation of reality. And so when we are interpreting reality from a very literal perspective, there's almost no access to imagination and creativity and mythology and other dimensions of reality. And so when I hear you feel so moved – by the presence of this goddess this black mermaid that was a a healing presence in the middle passage like i just wonder if you come up against that with people yourself where part of what keeps us trapped and stuck is an inability to go beyond the material and so you're allowing yourself to be moved by what we might call the spirit realm, the unseen realm. Uh, I, I I would love to hear about that for you. Yeah. So it's
1: funny. I was just talking about this with, with one of my friends that um, I have felt extremely blessed that all my life I have been supported in who I am because I I could have been it could have not been that, right? I just mm-hmm. to put it that way. So basically, all my life, I've been really, really connected to the spirit realm. Oh, I saw ghosts. Mm. I would, you know, run away from them. I would talk to them if I had to, right? Like, but mostly I was running away from them. And I actually began giving readings when i was around 18 um and this is a long time ago before this was something that you know i know people just give readings on mm-hmm. instagram now you know <laughs> it's kind of normal this was before it was normal and like so i had people calling me a demon when i was 18 because i would know things about their life that they you know just how how do you know these things you must be a demon so i would go to my mom who's deep in the church. You know, I was raised in a church and, um, she just told me, you know, Anita, don't worry. Anything that comes out of you is God. Mm. That's all I had to hear, which she could have not said that, right? right. It could have been something else. And so I've always been supported in keeping that communication open that's why eventually I did get my master's in spiritual psychology because I felt like I wanted basically a way to serve people without them feeling as if they need me. Um, Mm. Because what was happening with the readings is that people would have these epiphanies and then come back the next week. And Mm. I'm like, Like, didn't you figure it out? Like, like Mm -hmm. what's happening? And so I I didn't have the tools to help people move through. I just would tell them Mm
0: -hmm. what's
1: happening, what's going to happen, what, you know, what they can do, which doesn't work. Like if people really need to find those things themselves and heal themselves. And, you know, like to me, it was almost like it was just that sense of awe that they were addicted to.
0: Totally. I think that happens at places like Agape. It happened at Bodhi. People get a hit of the experience, but it's not, I mean, that's really just a portal into the work that we each have to do. And and it's also, I think it also really points to our orientation around consumption, just give it to me. I want to eat it. 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 And it's like, well, but wait a second. Do you know how the food is made? Do you know how it's prepared? Do you know where it comes from? You know, and honestly, like, not that we're here to talk about this, but that is one of my critiques of this sort of social media spirituality is that it's it's it can be very thin. And, you know, this stuff that we're talking about is quite layered and nuanced and deep. It requires an embodied approach. And I know that the work that you do also is in the realm of trauma and specifically sexual trauma. How How does, you know, did that influence the book? Do those things work together? Why is that so important to you? Yes,
1: it all works together. It all works together. And one of the intentions that I have put into this book, while I don't speak about sexual trauma or anything like this in this book, um, one of the things that I do like to do with my work is infuse it with what lessons I do want people to get out of it, whether the words are there or not. So Mm -hmm. it's the intention, you know, setting Mm -hmm. the intention. And so there is um, the intention of people remembering who they really are and healed from their traumas, right? So that is the intention within this book. And how that overlaps for me is um, a lot of the work that I do do with people um, in, in healing their traumas. It's not just about talking about what happened to them and and seeing what that is, it's them remembering who they really are. Mm-hmm. Because once they remember who they really are, it's like, I can feel it on the inside. It just like grows and grows on the inside. And that this open gash now becomes, you know, even if it just becomes a scar, right? Like, its it's no longer going to hurt in the same way. Yes. If you look at it, yes. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was molested when I was seven, but I can say that. Whereas in my twenties, I wasn't going to tell that to anybody because I, I had so much pain and Mm. so much guilt and, you know, I I was so ashamed. Mm. And now I could just say, and now it's just like, yes, I know that it happened. Right. I see it, but it's not, to me, honestly, it's a blessing at this point.
0: Mm. And that's a big idea for people to get. So I experienced sexual trauma. I was molested at the age of seven. In my 20s, it was like absorbing me. I was consumed by the pain, the shame of it. And now I've come to understand that that incident, which, by the way, we would not want for anyone That incident does not define me. It's not the truth of who I am. And I've come to acquaint myself with, you know, my essence, my truth, you know, something Ernest Holmes says, there is an aspect of your being that has never been hurt, harmed or hindered. And if you can connect to that one, then all things are possible. exactly. You want to be more alive. You want to unleash your inherent love and goodness, liberate yourself, and free humanity from the oppressive systems and structures we have created. We are here to support you in finding your fierce and loving life. Join us in Our Circle. This is an affirming and radical space that will gather weekly, on demand, or live, whatever works best for your life. For more information on how you can engage in our circle, visit LolaWright.com forward slash our hyphen circle. I'd love to have you with us. I want to ask you, how do you get to be the second book on the imprint of Charlemagne the God? I mean, how does that happen? That's straight up divine
1: intervention. God, goddess universe whatever we want to say um one of my best friends yadi alba she went to the ocean in miami and i didn't even know she was doing this she asked yamaya she's like what does anita need to do for this book to come out
0: right may we all be so blessed to have friends that make prayer requests on our behalf that we don't even have to make ourselves. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. So at that point I had
1: already, she knew I had already told her cause I was, there was another uh, publisher that I was kind of thinking about, but I wasn't in love with the, with the contract and you know, like I was just uh-huh. not really there. And basically what I decided because I was like, "It is time because it was the beginning of 2020, and I was like, it, like all these things were just happening, pandemic, racial craziness happening mm-hmm. and and I was like, "Oh, it is time right now. like right now mm-hmm. is the time I'm going to self-publish. If nobody else can see mm-hmm. it, I'm going to self-publish mm-hmm. and so i started I started on that journey, I bought my ISBN number, you know like I <laughs> started the journey of that. But Yadi, thank goodness, she just felt that there was something else. And so she asked Yemeya, and Yemeya told her to give it to Charlemagne, right? Which she, she knew him. I didn't know him. She texted him. She's like, hey, my friend wrote this book, you know, told him what it was about. She's like, do you want to read it? And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, send it to me. Basically within a day, he's texting me and he's like do not sign your other thing
0: wow I have chills
1: he just like got the book on so many like literally I don't know if you've ever done this where you've written down what it is that you want people to get from something right like whether it's Mm -hmm. one of your sermons or Mm -hmm. the podcast like have a list of things Mm -hmm. he calls me and he hit every single thing that I wanted people to get from this book. And mm. this is a man, because I wasn't even thinking about men. I was, I'm, I'm thinking about women healing from this, mm. right? Like I wasn't even, he hit every single note. And I was just mm. like, okay, he understands what I want to do with this book. This is the, he was just in the beginning of figuring out this imprint with Simon and Schuster. So basically, the divine timing was on point.
0: So I just want to you've now given us like two references to the power of intention and specificity. And so what I'm taking from this is like there there is a, a desire, an intention, a soul's appointment placed on and in every being on this planet. And for for many of us, there are many if we're available to them. And our responsibility of this, as the steward of that calling, of that appointment is to get very clear, what is it that I want this to contribute? What is it that I want it to awaken, to stir, to incite? And you were loyal to that. You were you were a listener of that. And as such, You know, I say the law always returns back to you that which you intend. That's not like some crazy thing. That's like universal law is always reflecting back to you the nature of your song, as we might say. And that's what you that's what you had validated, which actually the other powerful thing about that is I imagine. It that just grows your confidence and your self-esteem. It's like, I'm not crazy. Yeah, I know, right? Well, maybe a little, but that's that's that that's that's nothing to do
1: with this here. But yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's a whole different industry to the magazine as well. Magazine publishing, completely different industry completely different people i was thinking there would be some you know I, I reached out to so many people like "Hey, are you connected to you know like simon and schuster or <laughs> wherever else i wanted to be published and there was like no connections it was really interesting like the process was really interesting in that way because it felt like um i
0: didn't have anyone to call upon uh-huh I was just about to ask, what was it like to move through having to make requests of people and advocate for yourself? I have navigated that myself. I'm in the process of writing a book, and I have an agent who's basically told me, unless you have 100,000 followers on Instagram, like, we can't do anything with this. And I'm like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> like, and it requires me to go beyond this literal interpretation of reality, and to advocate for my wants and my desires and my intentions, which has us out on the skinny branches of life. It can be very uncomfortable to, especially, I think, as women, we're not often um, encouraged to be loud and proud about what you desire.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: that's very true. And um, I'm just like, fuck them,
1: fuck what they think, do, like, (laughs) really... because because the, the call was so strong, I really was not allowed to be like, well, I'm just not going to do it if I don't have any connections or I don't. It just, that wasn't really, it wasn't an option. The amount of times that that I was said no, you know, said like people said no to me so many times, agents, publishing houses, there's just, and then, but what made me feel better? Because one of the books I love is Children of Blood and Bone.
0: And mm. she said
1: she had, I think it was, oh, it might be even more, but it was like over 200 rejection letters from from publishing houses for her book. And her book mm. did like ridiculously good. I think it was the number one sold fiction book in 2000, 2019 maybe. And wow. so when I saw that, I was like, oh, I only have like six, you know? <laughs> like, uh huh. Totally. It's like, okay, if she can go through 200, you know, can you imagine that? And you still get up the next morning and write.
0: Yeah. So it's like, find the thing you're willing to do that for. Because there are plenty of things that come through us that I'm, it's like, would I be willing? to do to go through all of that for that inspiration. Yeah, no, probably not. And it's like, okay, great. <laughs> it's like good to know. Fine what
1: that is because my my daughter, she's so she always brings this up to me and I know it's like an old adage, but it's just like if it came easy then everyone would be doing it. And she's totally. always like she says that to me and I'm like, yeah, I love when she like repeats the things I say to her because I'm like, oh, thank you. (laughs) Because
0: sometimes I need it. Totally. I think that's one of the great gifts of raising your kids in this conversation of possibility of, you know, the infinite realms of existence. It's like if if they are raised in that consciousness and that conversation, they will throw that right back at you when you forget. (laughs) Yes, they will. (laughs) for sure for sure which actually really helps totally so um you know as you said like the racial dis-ease that we are living in at this time in humanity is not new and yet there's something that does appear to have come to the foreground As a receptivity, a willingness, I can be cynical at times, um, probably my own self-protection, having been someone in this conversation a very long time, being met with resistance, um, specifically from white-identified people for a very long time. I'm like reticent um, and perhaps cautiously optimistic, and I also have to watch that that cynicism that says, like, are are you sure? You know, whatever. So I'm curious for you, like, what are you optimistic? You know, are you are you like, how do you be with both your optimism and your knowing of reality? And by that, I mean, capital R reality. So so there's your optimism. There's the knowing of evolution, that we are amidst an evolutionary leap and the devastation and heartbreak of the headlines, not even like the day to day that we know people are experiencing, but the headlines of Adam toledo of dante Wright of you know on and on and on, how do you be with all of that well it's it's it's
1: a great question i i uh, the headlines, the reality, all of that is heartbreaking for me, and I'm super sensitive, so literally my kids will see me like crying on the floor you know mm-hmm. like what happened and um and they are also on social media so they see some things they know what's happening and so while all of that is happening. It is also very clear to me and has always been very clear to me, the divinity of black people and how fucking amazing we are. Mm. And I was raised with that. Like that's, that's Mm. what my reality is, right? Mm -hmm. Like my mother is a goddess Mm. and that's who I came from. I came out of her and she is a goddess and I've never seen anyone else in this world that's as uh, you know, I could be. <laughs> she is my mom, but <laughs> she's <laughs> just amazing and has always taught us "black is beautiful." Was mm-hmm. always telling us these things. And um, uh, while I do have a white father, it's they were very clear they were having black children. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you know. When you go out into the world, you are going to be a black woman. No mm-hmm. one's going to be like you're a white woman. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like it's not. It's not going to be my reality, and so there is this part of me that is so in awe and in love, and like just uh, uh, look look at our art, our
0: mm-hmm.
1: our food, our stories, our music. Our, there's just so so much richness, that that's what we, you know,
0: in my family, there's seven girls, I am always every time I'm like, there's like, another sister emerging in her feed. I'm like, amazing. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of us. And so it's just like, you know,
1: that's what we, you know, feed our children is this amazingness. Mm -hmm. Look at how amazing we are. And so they have these two realities right coming Mm -hmm. up against them and um, luckily it seems to be that they're they're um, going with the we are amazing and but Mm -hmm. I know for sure there are some things forming in their heads some insecurities some things that that could be happening from a lot of the news that's out there and experiences that they have you know I know that for my older daughter one of her friend said the n-word and her friend is is white and sadie just straight up was like no that's inappropriate for you to use and you are not allowed to do that i don't Mm -hmm. care if you're like like just straight up told her Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i was like all right okay Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) this next generation i feel like they're going to be saving us they're absolutely amazing i love them and i love speaking to young people about these things because they're just they're not scared to tell off their parents Mm -hmm. if their parents Mm -hmm. are not not disrespect
0: totally you
1: know I'm not into disrespect but if you know if your parents but they're
0: free they're free Mm -hmm. yes
1: yeah they're free they're smart intelligent it's just so many different things I'm I'm
0: I'm loving what what they're doing So if people pick up the book, it comes out in August, right? August 3rd. And what is it like, you know, as a teaser, it's like, I'm thinking about ordering this book. I love this book, blah, blah, blah. What is it? What's the prayer that you have for your readers?
1: Mm, Well, my prayer (laughs) is that we all remember who we really are. And Mm. that is infused inside of the book for all of us. Um, The book is really for everyone. All, all different kinds of people have read it so far and they have found their favorite characters or people that mm. they could uh, relate to. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of historical figures in there. I don't want to say all of them, but mm-hmm. um, it's just fun to see. Cause then you'll be like, Oh, that's
0: so-and-so, right? Like, uh-huh. I just want to bow very deeply to your willingness to listen to the call that was placed in and on you. I'm grateful for your tenacity, your fortitude, your stamina, your resilience, your commitment. It's inspiring to me. Um, Thank you for being one of my first inspirations every morning as I lay in bed and I pull out my phone and I see you there bright and early. I'm like, oh, yes, she's saying it again. Give me something good. I love it. You know, so I, I it's so I feel sometimes like I'm out there by myself trying to pull together all these disparate ideas that make sense for me. But because we've gotten so siloed in our thinking, we, we don't have the capacity, and, and social media, sadly, is largely just doesn't do well with nuance. But you bring the complexity of life to that space. So thank you. I just I love you. I appreciate you. I am like so ready for an in person experience. Seriously. So thank you so much. I love you. If you enjoyed this show and would like to receive new episodes as they're published, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and consider leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. Your review helps others find this show. You can follow me at Lola P. Wright on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and learn more about my work at lolaright.com. This episode was produced by Quinn Rose with theme music from independent music producer Trey Royal.
1: Disney announced that they were making the Little Mermaid black. And I was like, really? Well, this reminds me of my coloring books when I was little. And I would take a coloring book and color my white mermaids brown and black. Right. Mm. And I'm like, we have the original Black Mermaid story. Why would we not tell that
0: Mm.
1: instead of take a coloring book and color her brown?